If you are thinking about starting a podcast either by yourself, uh, with a co-host, with guests, uh, maybe it's audio only or uh, with video, please keep on listening. I started podcasting in early 2019, and for the rare occasions that I had on a guest, uh, it was always in person. But uh, once the pandemic came around and everything became remote, um, using Zencaster really, really opened up my possibilities of who I could have on a guest. I wasn't limited to the people who I could get in person anymore. Um, I have recorded guests using Zencaster everywhere from uh, just a handful of miles away from where I am in the Chicago area, all the way to the other side of the world in New Zealand. Uh, so the video and the audio quality are great, especially if they have a decent camera and microphone. Um, and getting the files couldn't be easier. I really, really love that Zencaster records the audio and the video to the person's local computer uh, so the quality isn't lowered when you get things like internet hiccups. It then uploads the footage uh, to the platform during the recording, and when you hit stop, it quickly finishes the upload and then processes the files so you can directly download them right from the platform. The files are even accessible if something goes wrong. Uh, and this next part, I'm going to basically read verbatim uh, because I couldn't have said it better myself. It's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups. Backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. Have you ever worried what you sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation, too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. If you have thought about podcasting before and realized that you need lots of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcast platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. So, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code WORDNERD W-O-R-D-N-E-R-D, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.
Hello, word nerds. Welcome to an episode, this one episode of The Dictionary, hosted by me, Spencer. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Uh, if you, it's, I think it would be a smart thing for you to do to start now and listen through all the episodes, maybe one, at least one or two a day. If you don't keep up with it, you're never going to catch up. Uh, the other option is you got to binge a lot. You got to have a lot of time, binge so many episodes in a day to catch up. And, you know, I, not everybody can do that. We get we lead busy lives. I am recording this on January 8th, 7.08 a.m., 2024. And um, I just, just a couple of quick things to say. Uh, we watched the Golden Globes last night. I stayed up kind of late, so I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit sleepy today. Um, and you know, it's always fun to watch award shows. Um, I do got to say, th- you know, this is this is way out of time for you. I'm sure all the news has passed for you, but this whole box office award. Uh, it it breaks my brain. It hurts me. I don't understand it. What's what's with a box office award? Isn't it just based on numbers? And why would you have an award based on box office, based on numbers, based on something objective? The awards are subjective. That's part of the fun of it. It's all based on opinions. Uh, but box office is numbers, and it is not subjective. Um, and I'm very glad that Barbie won this this big award, um, but I think it deserved a bit more than that. Barbie was so fantastic, and it had such a huge cultural uh, effect. Anyway, just wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, just the award in general, didn't understand it, but at least Barbie got it. I think it should have gotten Best Director and Best Comedy Film, but hey, whatever. Um, okay. Oh, the other thing is, my parents celebrated their 50th anniversary a couple of days ago, and I spent a lot of time making a movie for them, um, which we screened in a theater, a small theater that we we rented out, and uh, they loved it, and it was a success, and there were so many tears, and we had a good time. Uh, yep, okay. We, we have more epi words today. Uh, yeah, lots of epi words, some some that look kind of scientific-y, so let's remind ourselves what the epi prefix means. Upon, besides, attached to, over, outer, after, or if we're talking about chemical things, a chemical entity related to another, a chemical entity distinguished from another, so that's what, that's what you got to have in your brain when you hear me read all these words. So let's do that. Let's read these words. We got epilation, E-P-I-L-A-T-I-O-N, noun from 1878. The loss or removal of hair is called epilation. I didn't know there was a name for this, the loss or removal of hair. So if you shave your head, then you will have had some epilation. Or if you're just gradually losing your hair like many people are, uh, then that would also be epilation. So far, I think I'm okay. I got a, I got a lot of hair. I hope I never have the epilation. But, you know, it, it will probably happen at some point. I'll probably start losing it in the back. And then maybe it, uh, my five head will become a six head. 
you know, it's it's going to happen, probably. Uh, this is from the French, epilaire, which means to remove hair. Epilaire, to remove hair. Um, which is from the E prefix plus the Latin word pilus, which means hair. And there's more at the word pile. So this one is not actually using the epi prefix. It's the E prefix plus pilation, the hair. That's getting rid of the hair. That's the E prefix. Get Cut it out. Cut it out. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think then the sound effect that I want to make is going to be uh, the buzz cutting clippers, which I used for about 20 years. Next word is epilepsy. This is a big, a big one. Um, Oh, and is literally a big one. It's one long definition. Epilepsy is a noun from 1543. Any of various disorders marked by abnormal electrical discharges in the brain and typically manifested by sudden brief episodes of altered or diminished consciousness, involuntary movements, or convulsions. Convulsions. Oh, yeah, we'll break it down a little bit. Um, So... Abnormal electrical discharges in the brain. The brain is, it's always electrified. There's always electricity being fired between the neurons and then sending signals through the nerves through your body to tell you to do things. And this is abnormal. So there's something going on in the brain that's making the electrical signals all wibbly wobbly wonky donkey. So, and things that can happen when you have these various conditions, disorders, could be uh, brief episodes. So, I don't know, they could last like a minute or two, maybe more, maybe less. Um, And uh, diminished consciousness or altered consciousness is one of them. Somebody was telling me that she had epilepsy. This was many years ago. She didn't have seizures per se, I guess they were technically seizures, but they were more like she would be standing there. She would maybe sort of, her consciousness would get kind of weird. She would maybe just zone out into space. I'm sure her vision maybe went sort of like tunnel or something like that. But it wasn't like the typical seizure that you think of. Um, but yeah, it was this more altered, diminished consciousness, which is fascinating. Weird, scary, probably, yeah. Um, involuntary movement. So yeah, if you have especially these uh, these seizures, involuntary movements or convulsions, your body might be doing tightening up, um, v- vibrating, moving. I don't know. I, I who knows? Lots of possibilities. When the electrical signals are messed up, anything can happen. Um, I'm very glad that I have never had, to my knowledge, any seizures, or I don't think I have epilepsy. Hope I never get that. Um, but I will put a link in the show notes for epilepsy because there's, it sounds like there's different kinds. They could show their way, their show their face in different ways. And uh, we obviously need to talk about the etymology for this word. Um, let's see. We're going down to Greek epilambanine which means to seize. That long word means to seize, which is from the epi prefix plus lambanine, which means to take or seize. 
Not sure why the epi prefix got added onto that. How does it change the, the definition? I'm not sure. Uh, there's more at the word latch. So if you seize up, you are maybe grabbing onto a thing, latching onto a thing. So I, I could see the connection there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing epilepsy to have and you don't know when it's going to happen um so many things cause this so go go to the show notes read up on epilepsy and uh if you if you have epilepsy and you would like to say a little bit about how this shows up in your day-to-day life feel free to uh write me an email uh voicemail leave me a voicemail on the google voice number in the show notes i'd love to uh, hear what you have to say and i can put it in a show i'll say it or i'll hit play on the voicemail epilepsy crazy crazy stuff the body does okay the next word is a very long prefix three different forms of it epilept epilepty or epilepto i mean that's like a whole word right there um let's see there's no year as usual it literally just means epilepsy, I think, um, because, yeah, the example is epileptoid or epileptoid, which is coming up here. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's from the Greek. Now, it's a little bit different than the previous one, similar but different. But specifically, it's from the word epileptos or epileptos. Uh, Greek, I think I said, which means seized by epilepsy. So epilepsy comes from the word, uh, which they list here again, epilambenine, which means to seize. But then this one is seized by epilepsy. Seizing by the thing that seizes you. Okay. Um, And so if you're using this prefix, it's related to epilepsy in some way like this next word, epileptic adjective from 1605 now this one technically it's got this prefix but is it using the prefix or is it just another form of epilepsy we'll never know anyway this is relating to affected with or having the characteristics of epilepsy as in an epileptic seizure. You got the seizure. It's related to the epilepsy in your body, in your brain. So it is an epileptic seizure. Uh, Somebody had a seizure in the back of our car once, and it was not related to epilepsy, but it was very scary because we had never seen them have a seizure before. We freaked out, but they they got it sorted. Epileptic is also a noun. Epileptically is an adverb. So how would you use that one? Epileptically, um, they had a seizure epileptically. They seized epileptically because it was related to their epilepsy. Uh, Okay. Epileptiform. Epileptiform. This must be one of the ones using this epilepti prefix. Uh, it is an adjective from circa 1859, resembling that of epilepsy. Resembling that of epilepsy. So that would be epileptiform, as in an epileptiform convulsion. I don't know how this is different 
than epileptic. Let's look at the years. Epileptic, 1605. Epileptiform, 1859, 250 or so years later. Um, but I feel like epileptic gets used more. They seem very similar. They're both adjectives. Um, I, I'm sure there's some subtle difference because it's resembling that of epilepsy. It's similar. It resembles epilepsy. So you could have maybe an epileptiform convulsion that's not related to epilepsy. There's no epilepsy in the body, but it seems like it could possibly be. So that's why it's epileptiform. It's in the form of epilepsy. Is that what we're supposed to think? Okay. Zzz. Next is aleptogenic. Aleptogenic. Adjective from circa 1882. Inducing or tending to induce, induce epilepsy, as in an eptilepto... What's this word? Epileptogenic drug. So the drug, if you take this drug... It is going to induce or possibly induce epilepsy. So I guess that if you have epilepsy and they want to bring it forth in your body through your nerves for some reason, they might give you this drug, this epileptogenic drug. Hmm. And I think uh, the genic part of that, that suffix part, uh, is kind of like the the creation, the form, the the beginning of a thing. So that's why it's it's bringing on the epilepsy, this epileptogenic drug. Okay, I'm gonna have a bald head by the time we're done with this episode. Uh, here is epileptoid. This was the example in the epilepty prefix. So what is it? Epileptoid. Adjective from circa 1860, number one, the synonym is eptileptiform, which was the one resembling that of epilepsy. Number two, exhibiting symptoms resembling those of epilepsy. So yeah, I see the connection with eptileptiform, as in the epileptoid person. So this person exhibits symptoms resembling that of epilepsy. Now, it's not saying if they literally have epilepsy or they just have symptoms that are similar to epilepsy, in which case they would be resembling epilepsy and not literally epilepsy. Um, so I don't know the specifics, but epileptoid. What is the, what is the oid, O-I-D suffix? That's an interesting one. I can't wait to get there. Yeah, because I know that it's it's gotten put on to words that are uh, not the nicest words, words that we don't really use anymore. Um, so is it like a way to describe a person? Oid? I don't know. Okay. Next is epilimnian. Epilimnian or epilimnion. Um, E-P-I-L-I-M. N-I-O-N. This is a noun from circa 1910, and it is the water laying... No, 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 no. The water layer overlying the thermocline of a lake, or the thermocline or thermocline of a lake. 
Okay, so we know we're, we're using the epi prefix, which is, you know, on top of, so that makes sense. The eptilimnion is the water layer overlying the thermoclin of a lake. And of course, I don't, I don't know what the thermoclin is. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's some layer, some layer, I think, related to temperature in a lake. Maybe there's a change in temperature from the deep stuff to the more shallow stuff, and that that change there would be the uh, thermoclin of the lake. And then the water above that, maybe it's warmer. I would think, I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing that water would be the ep- epilimnion. Um, and the etymology says, this is of course from the epi prefix, plus the Greek word limnion or limnion which is the diminutive of limni, which means marshy lake. That's literally what it means, marshy lake. Uh, and there's more at the word limnetic, limnetic, which I'm going to guess is related to a lake and water probably. I'm trying to think of other words. I can't think of any other words that are like this. Limnian, limnus, something with dealing with water. I don't know any. The epi- epilimnian is the water. It's a layer of water. Next is epilogue. E-P-I-L-O-G-U-E. Or you can spell it um, just ending at the G. You don't need the U and the E. You can just end at the G. Epilogue or epilogue. Noun from the 15th century. One. A concluding section that rounds out the design of a literary work. The literary work has been designed, and we have to finish it up. What's the end? The end of the literary work. 2A. A speech, often in verse, addressed to the audience by an actor at the end of a play. Also, the actor speaking such an epilogue is called the epilogue. And I didn't know that because I haven't studied plays. But yeah, just a thing that's just closing it out, finishing it up. To be the final scene of a play that comments on or summarizes the main action. So uh, this is what you just watched. This is what just happened in the play. These were the themes, the morals, uh, all that stuff. And this is, this is how you should feel about it. And that's the epilogue. Three. The concluding section of a musical composition. And the synonym is coda. It's just the last piece, the summarizing thing, the conclusion. That's the epilogue. Um, the, yeah, in books, uh, movies, uh, they will often have this. You got the climax, the story is going, you got the climax, the thing, it's like, oh my God, it's, all the stuff is happening. It's all so fast and energetic, maybe. And then it ends. Oh, that was that was such a great ending. But now we get to the epilogue, and this is where this is where it's just like, oh, well, how did things go? What's what's the little the sum up that we're tying it all together? Um, the return of the king. Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King had a lot of epilogues because we had a lot of loose ends to tie up. How did this end? How did this end? How did this end? So that was, uh, I think that has the award for most epilogues. This word is from 
let's see. The Greek epilogos, which is from epilegin or epilegin, which means to say in addition. That's what that means, to say in addition. Uh, so if you are saying a thing more than what you already said, that is the verb epilegin in Greek. Uh, which is from the epi prefix plus legging, which means to say, and there's more at the word legend. Like what? The legend on a map, maybe, or the legend of the things, you know, the 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 tall tales, the legends. Hmm. Okay. Epilogue. So yeah, it's uh, so that yeah, the epi is like after on top of whatever was already said. We're gonna say some additional stuff. Hmm. It's a weird clippers. Uh, the next word is epimer. Epimer. E-P-I-M-E-R. Noun from circa 1911. Either of two stereoisomers or isomers that differ in the arrangement of groups on a single asymmetric carbon atom as the first chiral center of a sugar's carbon chain. Okay, the first chiral center of a sugar's carbon chain is an example of this epimer because it is either of the two stereoisomers that differ in the arrangement of groups of a single asymmetric carbon atom. Not sure where we're going with this. Um... Epimeric is an adjective, so I'm guessing that maybe, are we using this other version, this other definition, a chemical entity related to another or distinguished from another? And so if there are two of these stereoisomers, one of them, either one of them, would be the epimer. And that's all I can't do. I can't. My brain doesn't understand any of the rest of that. Epimerase. Epimerase or epimerase. Uh, this is a noun from 1960. Any of various isomerases, isomerases that catalyze the inversion of asymmetric groups in a substrate with several centers of asymmetry. And this sounds very interesting, but just like the previous word, I don't understand it. I need somebody to describe it to me in another way, or maybe see pictures, something like that. Epimerase. Yeah. Zzz. Next is epimysium. Epimysium or epimysium. Epimysis or Z. E-P-I-M-Y-S-I-U-M. Noun from 1900. The external connective tissue sheath of a muscle. The external connective tissue sheath of a muscle. So the muscle is in this sheath, this thing, that's just filled with connective tissues. And yeah, it would be on the outside of the muscle. Muscle. I've never heard of this one. Epimysium. Hmm. How are we still, how so many of us don't know these, these things about our own bodies? Why didn't they teach us this in school? Maybe you only need to know this if you're like a doctor or a biologist or a dentist. 
Um, so this word is uh, from the epi prefix plus the Greek word mys, M-Y-S, which means mouse or muscle. There's kind of a difference there. Mouse or muscle. The context is very, very important for that one. There's more at the word mouse, but this one's about muscles. The thing that the muscle is in, I guess, is the epimysium. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Whew, okay, here we go. With this, this is a fun-sounding word. It's probably not going to be nearly as interesting as I think it should be. But here we go with epinasty. E-P-I and then the word nasty. Noun from 1880. Uh, let's see. Where did it go? It This is a nastic movement in which a plant part, as a flower petal, is bent outward and often downward. Out and down. Uh, so this is th- this word nasty, nastic, is related to flowers. And uh, we'll get to learn all about that when we get to the ends. So why why is it why is it the epi prefix? Let's look at the etymology. It's the epi prefix plus the Greek word nastos, which means close pressed, close pressed. Hmm, that's not very helpful. Um, which is from the verb nasine, which means to press. Uh, so, but but the epi, how is the epi? Because it's going out? Because it's out and down? Is that the epi prefix? I don't know. Maybe we need a, a picture of this epinasty. Uh, these flower petals would be epinasty. Epinasty. Okay. Next is epinephrine. Um, epinephrine, yep, you can spell it with or without an E at the end. Uh, This is a noun from 1899, and it looks like we got one long definition. Uh, This is a colorless, crystalline, feebly basic sympathomimetic hormone, C9H13NO3, that is the principal blood pressure-raising hormone secreted by the adrenal medulla and is under... No and is used medicinally, especially as a heart stimulant, a vasoconstrictor in controlling hemorrhages of the skin, and a muscle relaxant in bronchial asthma. And this is called also adrenaline. Adrenaline. When you got the adrenaline pumping, uh, let's see. Well, that, yeah, it's hormone, and it's going to... Uh, heart stimulant. Yeah, your heart rate is going to go up. Uh, vasoconstrictor controlling hemorrhages of the skin, and it's a muscle relaxant. So your muscles are like free, free to just do whatever they got to do. You're ready. You're amped up. You're amped up. That's what it is. Epinephrine. Yeah, so I get our epinephrine and adrenaline the same thing. It says it's called also adrenaline, so I guess it must be the same thing. Um, the word is from... Uh, the epi prefix plus the Greek word nephros, which means kidney, 
and there's more at the word nephritis, and I don't really understand why it's related to kidneys specifically. I don't know. That's kind of a weird one, but I'm sure there's some good reason. Um, and uh, this is, uh, I believe, when you have an allergic re reaction to something, some people have an EpiPen on them. And I believe epinephrine is the thing inside of the EpiPen. They stab himself in the leg. Ah! And then this epinephrine adrenaline goes through their body and it's basically kicking the body into gear to clear out all the bad stuff. Maybe it was a peanut, a nut allergy or something. And your body's going to take over say, whoa, I'm going into high gear. I'm going to get rid of all this stuff and I'm going to clean out the body and I'm going to uh, secrete. I'm getting extra hormones and uh, it's a heart stimulant. So the blood's pumping, which means that the, bl the blood is literally going to go through the body faster and clean out the stuff and all the good parts of the blood are going to fight off the bad stuff that's freaking out the body. And it's also adrenaline. Woo. Okay. That's epinephrine. Ep EpiPen, I would think, well, we would have already seen EpiPen, or no, EpiPen would be coming up, but it's not in here. Uh, but uh, ep epinephrine, we, you know, at least we got that one in here. I've been talking, so I was talking to somebody who has allergic reactions to a thing, and they don't carry an EpiPen with them. And I was like, that's not safe. <laughs> you should have an EpiPen. And now I have no hair. It's all been buzzed off. If you're just listening to this, you don't know. You don't know. The last word is epineurium. Epineurium. E-P-I-N-E-U-R-I-U-M. Noun from circa 1882. This is the external connective tissue sheath of a nerve trunk. So before we had the external sheath of a muscle, but this one, the nerve trunk. Well, in your spine, you have the spinal cord. There's a whole big rope of nerves in your spine. And what's around it? Maybe, maybe this epineurium is the thing holding it all together in place, uh, the, protecting it maybe from the rest of the stuff. I don't know. I mean, you're... Your, your spine, I think, is also kind of around it also. But this is the thing that just, it's the sheath. It's like a wrapping. Don't, don't unwrap your nerves, your nerve trunk. Uh, epineurium, that's what that is. Yep, that's what it is. And now I finished all the words. I'm going to pick a word of the episode. We had today epilation, epilepsy, epilept, epileptic, Epileptiform, epileptogenic, epileptoid, epilimnion, epilogue, epimere, epimerase, epimegium, or epim, epimegium, epinasty, epinephrine, and epineurium. Well, I just love the word epinasty. I don't think I'm going to pick that as the word of the episode, but it is kind of a fun word. I don't know, maybe just epilogue. Uh, all these sort of sciencey, chemically things I don't didn't fully fully understand because because that's not my world. Um, but uh, yeah, epilogue. Let's let's pick epilogue as the word of the episode. This 
is the end of the show. This is the epilogue. I hope you learned lots of good things. I'm summarizing them in the epilogue. Boom, boom. Fantastic. Wonderful. Uh, let's tell you about some more movies that I watched. Let's say a whole bunch of them. Uh, I rewatched the movie Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story, um, and it just won uh, just this weekend uh, at the Creative Arts Emmys, which are not televised. It won Best Original Score and uh, Best, what was it, Best uh, Movie Made for TV. It was on Roku. It was not technically TV, but it, I don't know. It's, the movie industry is very complicated now with streaming and stuff. But it won, and that's fantastic. It beat out some very big movies, and this was a pretty independent movie made very quickly, very cheaply, and it's so good, so funny, so silly. So you got to go watch Weird. What else? Night of the Comet from the 80s. Another very, very cheap movie it looked like, but um, beautiful, beautiful shots. Really, really beautiful. For what they had to work with, I think they did a really good job. Uh, it's just kind of just a sort of a weird sci-fi 80s movie. Not really weird, but a little weird. Anyway, Saltburn. Interesting, fun, funny, but also dramatic uh, movie. Recommend. Adult. Adult. Uh, Fallen Leaves. Um I don't remember what language this is in. It's not English. Um, and it's it's a little... I, all I want to say is it's a little surreal. Just a little bit off. A little bit different. A little bit weird. And I appreciated that. And I think I would get even more enjoyment out of it for a second time. Uh, if I watched it the second time. Eileen. I think I remember which this one is. Uh, yep, this was good. Um... I can't I can't think of uh, what to say about that one. Um, but it was good, really good performances, really intriguing. It was really intriguing. Um, hey, let's say another one. Anna and the Apocalypse. We'll end there. Um, we we watched this with my family because they had never seen it, and it is a very, very fun uh Scottish musical at Christmas time about zombies. And that's it. Good stuff. Let's end this episode. Thank you very much for listening and watching. And until next time, this is Spencer saying his epilogue, dispensing information. Goodbye.